Hello and welcome to the Lager Tops podcast with Jimmy, Remy and Maya. This week we are going to be talking about everyone's favourite alcoholic legislation, the Renheitsgebot. Ten points for getting it right on the first try. I know, well done, well done. So, while our lovely listeners won't know this, we've actually had about three, maybe four weeks off recording. God, it feels like forever. Yeah, (laughs) it's been a while, so... Jimmy, what have you been up to? Not... What have you been drinking? Yeah, more importantly, no one cares what you've been doing. It's more about what you've been drinking. Oh, drinking. I've probably drank a hell of a lot since we last spoke, to be perfectly honest. I went down to Cornwall for a few days last weekend, down and stayed in just outside of Padstow, which is not all it's cracked up to be. It's a nice place, but... Rick Stein wasn't doing it for you, was he? Nah, I didn't massively... Yeah, I don't eat fish, so it's not really my kind of thing, is it? I thought you saw Gordon. We saw Gordon. Didn't see Rick, ate in Paul Ainsworth's place, saw Gordon wandering around with the fam. Oh, I love Paul Ainsworth. Yeah, yeah, we ate in one of his restaurants, that was nice. We preferred his restaurant to the um, Rick Stein restaurant we went to. That's because Rick Stein's a twat. (laughs) And then on the uh, last day, when we were sat on the beach, we were sat next to this family, like a big, like extended family, sat with them for like two hours, and then we heard like this voice, and I was like, that sounds familiar, and we looked over, Kate Garraway. Just been sat next, wow. yeah, sat next on the beach. So all that crap about celebrities go to Padstow all the time is clearly fairly true. <laughs> well, when I say celebrities, British media personalities. What was your favourite beer of the trip? So yeah, thank you for getting me back on track there, Maya. So we stumbled across, although Anna refuses to believe it was by accident, a little brewery called Padstow Brewing. The way brew the beer just outside Padstow, and they've got two tap rooms in town and we went to one of them which is their little little one on dean street or something they've got one on dean street one on brook street or something they did really good beer it was really nice obviously it's very fresh it was all quite crafty if you know what i mean like there's no kind of real hours you could get a taster flight tray and on the top you know they gave you the menu and they had like a small beer they had a, a type of Bock, which was quite good, which was like a high, quite a high percentage. And then they're like, oh, ask what's the cask of the day. So, oh, what's the cask of the day? No cask today. It's like, uh, right, okay. <laughs> so it's all craft beer then. But the small beer was really nice. So we had some of those. And then I went back the next day and bought some cans for the beach to take to the beach because I didn't want to Yes, buy. we have a lovely photo of that on our Instagram. Yep. Are beers expensive in Cornwall? Uh, yes, 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 yes. I mean, a pint in of like in one of the St. Austell breweries, I would say was like 570 or 580 a pint. And a can Ooh. in Padstow Brewing was £4.70 for like a four. You, my friend, pound. are in London. Yeah, yeah. Every, <laughs> everywhere is now London, isn't it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. God, it wasn't it's, it's making me feel better about living in London and paying the, the prices See, we, now that everyone's paying it. I had this conversation with someone last week because he's moving to London. And I was kind of saying, like, I think the only thing now that separates, and again, as a non Londoner, but you know, that separates cost of living is still like rent. I still think rent in London is yeah, massively high. But everything else, like, I always used to, the judgment for me always used to be, pint of beer in london is so much more expensive than the rest of the world, rest of the country i don't think that's the case at all anymore like i don't think that has anywhere built up or popular like yeah you can go to some shithole in the middle of nowhere in yorkshire <laughs> you know or like oh, why are you being horrible well okay and you know you, they, in any county go to some pub that's got four people living around it and it's going to be cheap yeah. but you go to any built-up conurbation the price of beer is now 
pretty much caught up to London, I think. And I think that's probably the same with most things. You would know better than me, I'd, I would assume. But You've alienated quite an active group of <laughs> listeners, people in this country. <laughs> yeah, the pe- like If we were going to piss off anyone from any county... That was probably one of the... The worst ones to go with. Okay. One of the worst ones to piss off. You could go to Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then moving on to... I know you guys have been to Cardiff recently. What was the price of beer like in Cardiff, for comparison's sake? Well, we didn't have a lot of opportunities to be going out for drinks because we were spending a lot of time with family. But we did go to Tiny Rebel, yep, obviously. Obviously. You went in, gave them a wave, said... Boogaloo appeared on the bar. Didn't have any fucking boogaloo in. That is good. not even in cans. Oof. Did you march out? Just tear all well, your tiny rebel stash off. Remy had been in there earlier in the day and had picked up like because you can go in and buy cans. He'd picked up a can of boogaloo and a key lime lager for me, and he had the five dollar shake. Yeah, the five dollar shake it was actually quite nice. What what other one did you have? Cali Pale. Yeah, yeah, from the cans. Yeah, but that definitely wasn't the star of the weekend for me. So then we were going in, and I was like, "God, I'm gonna get a boogaloo from the thing." And I was, if worst case scenario, they'll have cans. Fucking run out. So I had a pint of Club Tropica, which I didn't realise two years ago changed its name from Club Tropicana to Tr- Club Tropica because it was sued by, by the Club Tropicana. No, by PepsiCo because of their juice range called Tropicana Juices. So I've still been calling it Club Tropicana because that's what it was called when I first drank it. But now it is technically Club Tropica. So I had a pint of that and that was £4.20. That's not too bad. Which isn't too bad. We would. It was me, Remy and my brother and we were... I'd say around was averaging about £13, which isn't too bad. My brother was drinking the cider. I was drinking... I moved from the Club Tropica to the Key Lime Lager, which I'm going to say not as sessionable as one first thought. It gets a bit sharp. It gets a bit um, stomach hurty. I wouldn't want to get hungover on that stuff. It's not the hangover. It's like the, the, the acidity level. Mm. Yeah, it's... A- a lot of lime. Yeah, my last pint, Remy, I was like, I can't drink this. You're going to have to drink some of it. And Remy was like, I actually can't drink this. God, well, if you've been drinking bitter all afternoon <laughs> or something. <laughs> We'd been to, in Cardiff, there's a place called Chapter Art Centre. We'd been there on the Friday and they actually had a very good range of kind of German beer. Can't remember the names of any of the stuff I was drinking. So please welcome to the stage, Remy. To fill in the blanks. The wheat beer they had on was Kinlug. King or König Ludwig, but Ooh. King Ludwig, if you want to call it. And they had a Warsteiner on, Ooh, and then the other one they had on. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember what it's bloody called, but it's brewed on license by Marston's in the UK. Oh, yeah. It was Comsi Comsar. Warsteiner was better. But my start of that weekend was in Tiny Rebel. It wasn't a Tiny Rebel beer. I was on the cask, but it was by the Gun Brewery from Sussex. And it was their golden ale called Scaramanga. Ooh. After James Bond, obviously James Bond, hence why it's being the golden yeah. male because yeah. man with the golden, golden gun, gun, blah blah blah. But that was a cracking beer, and I had five of those in oh, <laughs> quick succession. Flew by, <laughs> it just flew by. Speaking of beer, just as I'm very aware, we have quite a few beers to get through. Shall we open one now? What are you starting with? Let's go with the Hackershaw. Got a hell of a lid on it. 
So all the beers we'll be drinking this episode are Renheitsgebot. I don't know, really know what the Compliant. word is. Compliant. We'll kind of run through each one as as we kind of go along. So the first one we're having is Hackerschwur. I think that's how you pronounce it. My German isn't great. They are one of the six breweries within the Munich city limits. Hacker was actually founded in 1417, but then it was bought up in the late 1700s by a chap called Joseph Schwur, who then basically made his own brewery, and in the early 1800s they combined them. Uh, essentially, but I think they're a tad famous because in 1810, King Ludwig I of Bavaria was going to get married, and he invited the head brewer at Hackershaw to make something to celebrate his marriage with. The land that Oktoberfest is based on was actually given to Munich by the chap who used to run the brewery, so fairly interesting. Go back a fair while. Munich Gold is 5.5%. It's got sort of normal Bavarian Halatau Halatower hops. It's delicious. Yeah, it's it's full-bodied, very malty. Yeah, it's quite sweet, but I'm assuming as it's Rhine whatever, I can't say it and I don't want to embarrass myself. I'm assuming because it's that it can't have any glucose or sugar in because that doesn't comply, does it? Well, I can't tell you that yet because believe it or not, we will be having a quiz. <laughs> I know we've never done one before, but we will be having one. Well, yeah, it tastes lovely, sweet, I'd, I'd say quite cereally. Yeah, I think it's fairly palatable. It's got quite a lot of depth to it, actually. It's not just, you know, sometimes you get these sort of Bavarian lagers and they're like clean, crisp and then kind of disappear. This one kind of lingers for a bit. Some good maltiness. I, th- I think it's yeah. quite nice. Yeah, the maltiness is the thing that really stands out for me. Because it's not overly malty, but it does last. It smells good, though, doesn't it? Don't you think? Keep smelling Yeah, right. it smells good. So before we sort of kick off with the quiz, which will help hopefully educate ourselves and our listeners, what do we kind of both know about the Reinheitsgebot? Jim, what are you saying, mate? The Bavarian or Munich purity laws. I know it's basically, this is how you brew beer. You have to do it like this. If not, not allowed or something, you know, dating all the way back. They They wrote some treaty. The brewers got together, didn't they, or something, and wrote some treaty of... If you want to be considered beer and brew within the city limits or something, you had to meet these requirements, or am I just talking complete nonsense? Oh, you're kind of on the right track. You're oh. on the right track. But we'll find out more. Maya, what about you? I know literally nothing about this. I heard about this for the first time when it came up in an episode, whenever we recorded that episode, that it first got mentioned. Mm. I'd never heard of it before. I know that you sometimes refer to it as purity law, so I'm assuming it is based on keeping the beer pure okay so you're both kind of on the initial right tracks but we'll kind of go into it a little bit more detail through the medium of the quiz and also through me just talking about it yeah Reinheitsgebot's pretty famous i'd say it's probably the most famous alcohol-based legislation apart from prohibition apart from prohibition didn't Pro- think yeah. of the americans maybe that shows a, a window into my 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 subconscious bias it's certainly uh, the most famous of the beer laws, I would say. It's certainly the most famous of the beer laws. Let's go along with that. Um, I think it's got a bit of a reputation being a mark of quality, but I don't know. Maybe is that the case? I don't know. Let's find out. Well, so, if Bex is, then no. Well, precisely. <laughs> precisely. Okay, so we're going to have a six-question multiple-choice quiz. and I love it when they're multiple-choice. What we're going to do is we're going to do each question. We're going to have the multiple choices. You're each going to choose your choices. Someone will be given that point, and then I'll do a bit of spiel, and then we'll go on to the next question. Let's crack on with the quiz then. Okay, so question number one on the big fat Reinheitsgebot quiz of 2021. The quiz should just be spell Reinheitsgebot. 
Fuck, I wish I'd done that as a question now. <laughs> I actually might use that as a tiebreaker. Or pronounce. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, in which year did they establish the Reinheitsgebot? And there are some options here. 1516, 1312, 1642, 1789. A, again, was 1516. B, 1312. C, 1642. And D, 1789. Maya, would you like to go first? Okay. Okay. I think... I see what you're doing. Yeah, I can't find it, though. I tried to check a bottle, but Remy stopped me. So Jimmy's not allowed to do that either. I'd like to think that your own personal um, sense of honesty and decency would stop you. From She's reading still the looking bottles. at the bottles. Stop looking at the bottles. It's not fucking on any of us. It's on the Munich of Gold. He's moved. He's moved away from me. That's That'll not be fair. why you can read the Munich of Gold and then answer the bloody question. Fifteen sixteen. Fifteen sixteen. What a Correct. what a guess. Fifteen sixteen. Thought I'd try and trick you out with uh, 1789 in there. Obviously, another important historical date with the French Revolution. But uh, you were both too smart for me, that weren't you? Mm. I would have said because you did 116, 117, 113, and 115, didn't you? Mm. I would have said either the 13 or the 15 because I knew it's fucking old. Mm. So I would have been between those two anyway. I'd like to make that clear, especially considering I've been accused of cheating multiple times on this quiz. So I'm glad we've made it clear. You both won all. So yes, it dates back to 1516. It was signed in Ingolstadt, somewhere in Bavaria, by Wilhelm IV and co-ruler Duke Ludwig X, apparently. Pretty old. So we're talking, you know, early Tudor period, which is fucking old, really, when you think about it. Question number two. What does the Reinheitsgebot stipulate... You can only use to make beer. A. Water, hops and malted barley. B. Barley, water, rice, herbs and yeast. C. Hops, water, barley and yeast. D. Potatoes, barley, yeast and water. Do you want me to run through those again? No. Did you have fun coming up with some of those? I had an immense time yesterday afternoon. (laughs) Well, I think it's either A or C. So what was A? Malted barley, water and hops. Yeah, that that was A. And C was water, barley, hops and yeast. Correct. To confirm, in C when you say barley, does that mean it can be malted or unmalted? Yes. I'm going to go for C then. A. It's A. It's A. So the Reinheitsgebot basically stipulates that the core function of it is that if you're going to make beer, it has to only be made from water, hops and malted barley. Now, obviously, you do need yeast to make beer, but in 1516, they didn't know what yeast was, so it's not technically included in the legislation from the time. It's just assumed... It just came in with everything else. Yeast was just on on the flowers and the plants and the the weeds exactly so there's kind of two bits and bobs here so you know why did they do this supposedly it was to stop a price war occurring between brewers and bakeries because there was a high demand for wheat beer and then that price war would essentially give consumers uh high prices for beer and also inflate the prices of bread as well so there's that and also supposedly it was to prevent unscrupulous brewers from damaging customers things like that However, that's all well and good, but there is a darker side. Because at the time, 
the breweries in northern Germany were actually exporting quite a lot down south. So in fact, the suspicion is, whilst supposedly some of it is consumerist, consumer protection law, stuff like that, it's also a protectionist law to ensure Bavarian brewers succeed. So it's a double-edged sword here. I don't, I don't, a lot of people see it advertised as the oldest consumer protection law, but actually there's kind of a, not a darker side necessarily, but something a bit less uh, furry and friendly. Unscrupulous. Precisely. Okay, so question number three. As I've mentioned, part of the reason for the law was to prevent people from uh, being exposed to dodgy brews with God knows what else in. So what was the worst kind of thing that was found in beer or in breweries used for making beer back in the 1500s in Germany? A, wood shavings, soot and potatoes. B, oil and dirt. C, deadly nightshade. And <laughs> and D, paper hair and dirty water. I thought it was just me. All of the above. You can go first on this one, Jim. I'm going to say either A or D, purely because you seem to say them more convincingly. This, I, I, I'm going to go A, actually. Okay. And Maya? I was also between A and D, so I'll go D for a point of difference. It's A, wood, soot and potatoes. Wood shaving, soot and potatoes, so apparently. So good to know. He's put the answer as A, A every, every time, question yeah. so far. <laughs> He's just checking his notes. I have accidentally done that, yes. <laughs> you get better and better at these quizzes, mate, every week. <laughs> God, I'm a real professional. Okay, so on to question number four. And this is a good one. Which other country in the world has also subscribed to the Reinheitsgebot? That is a good one. A. Austria. B. Tanzania. <laughs> C. Greece. Or D. Switzerland. Mm. Do I need to run through those again? Or no. I'll go first. I mean, the objective person in me is saying it, you'd think it was going to be Austria. Tanzania. Also, be- also because he's put it as a. Uh, uh, yeah, well, that's the only reason I'm basing it on Maya. I don't know what else you could, what else could be causing us to think that. Greece, no way. Tanzania, I don't think so. They could have signed up in like the last five years as like a PR stunt, I suppose. Don't forget ex ex German colony. Maybe, maybe. Or D. What was the last one? Switzerland. Switzerland. I don't know if I've ever had a Swiss beer. Do the Swiss make beer, Rem? I think so. I've never had any, I'll be honest. Well, it doesn't sound like they've signed up to the Ryan's Gabot then. <laughs> I could have to go A, based on your prior form. I don't want to say the same thing as Jimmy, but to me, that's the only other one that makes sense. So I'm going to go left field and say Tanzania. I'm terribly sorry, you're both incorrect. <gasps> it's Switzerland, isn't it? It's not Switzerland, it's Greece. Piss off. <laughs> yeah, it's Greece. <laughs> Funny twist. Have you had... The alcohol that they make in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> Funny twist of fate. Uh, in 1832, Prince Otto of Bavaria was installed as the King of Greece, and he brought the Reinheitsgebot over with him. Oh, wow. Uh, and in true sort of 1800s Western European fashion, people of Greece didn't necessarily ask for Prince Otto to be there, but the governments of the UK, France and Russia said that he should go. So they were, nice they were taking it in turns. It was his turn to invade a country and make it his. Exactly. So yes, Greece had the Reinheitsgebot. And do they still observe the Reinheitsgebot? No, it was binned off a while ago. I can't actually remember when now. But uh, yes, I was going to say, have you tasted the village alcohol yeah. you can buy in Greece? 
I quite like Retsina, but the Mythos, mm. I'm not keen on Mythos. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. not just water, barley and wheat. God knows what else. Whatever the other thing was. Hops. This is Musa Liesel. Yeah, I guess so. Arkebrow. Arkebrow? Yeah, Moose House. It is 5.3%. From a small town called Moose, funnily enough, which is kind of near the Czech border in upper the top part of Bavaria. Originally, it was documented as the Schlossbauery Moose, which Ooh, is like, like Palace Brewery of Moose. And it became a company in the in the 60s and then became a sort of a merger of uh, some other family breweries. But there's quite a lot of uh, interesting things about this brewery that in 2010, a dispute emerged between this brewery and the nearby town of Degendorf which related to an additional beer tent at the local Degendorfer Volksfest, and it culminated in corruption accusations against local elected officials. And then later on, the local media referred to the dispute as the Beer Krieg or the Beer War. The Beer Krieg. And while we pour this, Jimmy, what are you drinking? Um, so I've moved on to the the Flotzinger Hell, <laughs> which is not one of Dante's circles, but a type of hells, I can only assume. It's been around since 1543, and again, it mm. says on the back that it does comply to the Reinheitsgebot since 1516. I'll be perfectly honest, I couldn't really find anything on this that wasn't in German, even on Untapped. When you look it up on Untapped, the description is in German, so I did struggle, to be honest. <laughs> How does it does... compare to the previous beer? Bit more, bit lighter, bit less malty, less biscuity, bit crisper, I will, smelling it bit clearer yeah like a bit like an augustina i would think yeah th- this one's to me is a bit hoppier than the last one a little less sweet and oh, a little yeah. less cereally oh, was that a bloody hell in the background from rems it's a lot crisper yeah um, doesn't really linger on the palate as much it's quite clean this ice cold after a game of teen sport <laughs> i imagine it would go down a bloody tree the one something else to mention before we go on actually with the rest of the quiz is on your beer bottles do the bottles refer to the Bayerischen Reinheitsgebot from mm. 1516? Yes. Or do they just refer to the German Reinheitsgebot? I imagine most of these will be Bayerisch because we've got them from Bayern. Bay- Bavaria. My, mine says Bayerischen, Bayerischen Reinheitsgebot. Because you can get ones from other parts of Germany usually that just say the German Reinheitsgebot, which is a sort of later reincarnation that we'll talk about in a bit. Okay. Anyway, on for the rest of the quiz. So we're really into the last two here. Maya, you're two down. You could win it all here. And we've got some fucking great questions. (laughs) Question number five. Why is 1987 an important year for the Reinheitsgebot? Why is 1987 an important year for the Reinheitsgebot? A. Bavaria threatens to leave West Germany because the West Germans haven't legislated for the Reinheitsgebot. B, French brewers take Germany to the European Court of Justice because the Reinheitsgebot currently applies to imported beer and so causes them some free trade issues. C, Reinheitsgebot is officially legally entrenched in West Germany. Or D, East Germany takes up the Reinheitsgebot. Do you know what I'm going to say? All of those are very interesting. And so I'm assuming obviously only one of them is true and the rest of them have come from your brain. That is true. Jimmy, what are you thinking on this? I instinctively thought it was going to be Cold War related because Remy is yeah, a... Yeah, it's that is time, a, isn't well, it? Well, more Remy is a Cold War nerd. And then I thought, well, 
Cold War, it's A, so it's obviously the go-to answer. But would Bavaria really threaten to leave Western <laughs> Germany because of this law? Like, is that provincial government really sitting there going, if they don't meet our demands, we're going with the USSR? I just can't see that being the case. The French one just, I mean, it's so French. Only Remy surely could have made that up. Yeah, it also, you know how like when people lie or when people make stuff up, there's too much detail. That was the longest one, which makes me think it's not true. And then, see, enshrined in law, that sounds slightly kind of reasonable. And then D was the East Germans finally take it up again i can't i can't see the east germans going oh well we don't have bread but <laughs> but we'll follow this this purity law so i i'm going with c personally oh uh, maya what about you what about you maya well that would have been what i would have gone for but i'm also like having very today edited an episode where jimmy and i said the same answer for every question it was incredibly boring <laughs> so I don't want to say the same answer okay. as Jimmy. So, yeah, I, I just, I can't see it being A, despite your obsession. Uh, love of the, yeah, your obsession with the letter A. I can't see it being A. So do you know what? I'm going to say fuck it, even though I know it's not as it's the France one, B. Tamaya, you are correct. Oh. So the French brewers have had enough. It was the 80s. The European <laughs> Union was going into overdrive. It was overdrive so French, I thought it must be fake. But it's clearly so French, it's because it happened. Uh, essentially, what it meant was that when the, the way the law was in place in Germany, it meant that even imported beer had to be Reinheitsgebot compliant. And the French were like, no, screw that. We're going to chuck all sorts of God knows what in our beer, and we're going to export it to you, and you're going to bloody drink it. So they took them to the European Court of Justice, and then the Reinheitsgebot got repealed. Germany lost the case, and it got repealed, sorry, for imported beer. And then in 1988, it got completely um, kind of taken apart even more by the EU. But it still kind of existed within Germany, and we'll go on to that in a minute. You Interesting thing you picked up on there, Jim, when you said surely the Bavarians wouldn't leave West Germany based on this beer law. However... It's not in West Germany. In 1919, oh, so yeah. when Germany was reformed after the First World War, Bavaria wasn't going to join the Weimar Republic unless the whole of Germany took up the Reinheitsgebot. <laughs> I mean, he must have had big fucking balls, whoever came to the table. <laughs> you know, if that's your only demand, you'd probably just be like, well, yeah, fuck it. Let him have what he wants. So, um, yeah, a bit of a shocker, that one, actually, isn't it? Well, you say that, but it's, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously I got it wrong, but then it's also, it's so French. Like, in my head, I was like, yeah. if anyone else had said it, if someone else had said that to me, I'd be like, it must be true, because it's so French. It's like when you hear about the French rugby team, like, it must be true, it's the French. Because you said it, and obviously, you're basically French in my eyes, I thought, Remy's the kind of crafty guy that would make up something that's so French that it must, that it's believable, but it's not true. But yeah, so you got the you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, well, I'm glad I outfoxed you both, and also well, you didn't it... outfox me. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I got it fucking right. <laughs> That's a good point. I'm glad I outfoxed one of you. Yeah, so the Reinheits goat became national actually in 1871 when Germany unified, and actually as a result of that happening, it killed off loads of different beer styles that did exist before. So ones that used herbs and stuff like that, not beer that was doing anyone any damage obviously just beer that didn't adhere to the law so something that was a bit out of the mainstream and then after the first world war in 1919 the bavarians insisted again it becomes national 
Otherwise, they wouldn't join the Weimar Republic. Okay, so on to the last question. This is where my German really falls down. What is the 1993... So we're talking modern Germany now. The wall's down. We're all friends. What is the 1993... Wolf-Figures... Do you have to do the shouty accent? I find it hard to pronounce it when it's quiet. So the Wolf-Figures... Sect, I think is how it's pronounced. I'm really sorry to all our German viewers, viewers, oh. listeners, uh, and it, anyone else it, who's German Remy, it's, it's not plural. Okay, so what is... I'm just saying, what is it? Oh. What is the 1993... Please don't make me say this again. Yeah. Figures it it adds nothing. You don't need to say it again. Beer gazette. You could literally be saying yeah. anything. What is this 1993 law about beer? Oh, it's, oh, it's a law about beer, is it? Yeah. I so didn't know that. is banned, eh? B, northern German breweries are excluded from the Rheinheitsgebot. Belgian breweries opt into the Rheinheitsgebot working group. Or D, there is an updated Rheinheitsgebot. Well, I'm pretty sure it's never been updated and that's the whole fucking point of it, isn't it? Well, he he mentioned something about yeast earlier. Yeah, but look at the back of these bottles. None of them say yeast. Now you're looking at the bottle. Now I can read. None of them say yeast. That is true. So I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. What were the other ones? Sorry. Belgium got involved. Belgium got involved. North Germany didn't get involved. North German breweries were excluded from having to be Reinheitsgebot compliant. And D, the Reinheitsgebot was updated. I think it's not. No, that's only three then. What's the the other one? The one you originally said was the Reinheitsgebot got banned. Oh, it's not that because it's obviously not banned. I think it's that Northern German breweries could be excluded from it. Okay, Jim, what about you, mate? Mm, we'll go with Belgium. <laughs> and you are both incorrect. Great. The Reinheitsgebot was updated. Oh. <laughs> because? because? Yes, you're, you're true in that these bottles apply to it, but they specifically say they adhere to the 1516 Bayerischen Reinheitsgebot. Uh... So they're adhering to the old legislation, not the more modern one. So in 1993, it was updated because it was thought that it was a bit out of touch. So they separated into two groups. They had bottom fermented, so lagers, and they could include water, malted barley, hops, and yeast. And they also allowed, within the the sort of category of hopped, ground hops and hop extract. Uh, They also what? Yeah, I know. And they also allowed um, stabilising agents and finings. So this is why Um, the the originals are so hardcore about we are the original because they basically chuck the law out the window. It also legislated the top fermented beers, so ales, and they could have a much wider variety of ingredients of grains and sugars and whatnot to create different flavour profiles, which is quite interesting. But on the kind of back of this, and just before I go into the scores on the doors, there was a brewery that actually dated back to 1410 called Klosterbrauerei Neusel, uh, just north of Berlin. And they brewed beer that was bottom fermented but had sugar in it because basically they made their beer very dark and the sugar kind of caramelised up a bit to give it that sort of caramelised flavour as opposed to adding generic sweetness like you see in a lot of industrial art. And after this law was passed, because it was bottom fermented, they weren't allowed to call their beer, beer. What? So, yep, well, they weren't allowed to call one of their beers, so the beer that has the sugar in it, beer, because it had sugar in it and it was a bottom uh, bottom fermented beer. So what did they call it? They had to call it beer style. (laughs) 
So they called it Black Abbott, and then they essentially went into a lengthy legal battle that eventually gave them an exception. And basically, there are various exceptions that have allowed other breweries who don't 100% apply to the modern Reinheitsgebot to still call their beer beer, but it's still quite hard to get around. So Brewdog, they've got a bar in Berlin. Or Munich, I can't remember now. Maybe it's Berlin. They've got a bar in Germany, and they are not allowed to call their drinks beer because they've not applied for an exception. They have to call them beer style, or they have to specifically say stout, IPA, pale ale, but they cannot call it beer. Right, lager. No, I don't think they call it lager. They have to call it beer style drink. So, yeah. What was also interesting as well, and quite slightly humorous about this poor tiny brewery that's been around since 1410 that launched a successful legal case is before the legal case was successful the equivalent of HMRC contacted them, ordered a crate of their beer, drank their beer then rang them up and said we don't care what the agricultural ministry says we consider it beer you still need to pay your beer duty. So you know, bloody bloody someone more equal than others I guess but yeah, so gonna pronounce the winner and God, it was a bloody close-run thing. Three points to two. Jimmy is the winner of the 2021 Reinheitsgebot quiz. Woohoo! Big win. Wunderbar! The Reinheitsgebot, uh, just to round off, there is actually a lot more history to it. Like, for example, if in terms of general beer laws in Germany, uh, Otto II, who was emperor of the Holy Roman Empire at the time, gave a brewing license to a church in Liège. And that's one of the earliest sort of pieces of legislation uh, written down about beer. And there were other various beer sort of laws and guarantees of quality before. The Reinheitsgebot, Nuremberg 1293, Erfurt 1351, and so on and so forth. But there's a lot less detail about those and they're not as famous. But aside from that, the Reinheitsgebot, what do we all think? Because it's still got quite a big cultural phenomenon. I don't think it does. <laughs> do, you, do you honestly not think so? I see people banging on about it all the time. But again, Jimmy... We move in very different circles, Rem. Okay, well, that's cut this section very short. No, no, no. I was going to say, yeah. I knew nothing about this until 2021, when we first started talking about it on this podcast. But one thing I will say is every beer I've ever tried that's brewed under it i've thought is fucking delicious so they're obviously doing something right you think beck's delicious not beck's not beck's sorry not beck's yeah not I, beck's. I will agree in as much as i, do, I think as a thing it, it is relatively interesting i concept but the, my big takeaway is that they're using literally well okay four ingredients if you include the yeast one way or another and they are making cracking beers and then you do just kind of think you really don't need to add anything else to you you know, you don't really yeah. need to put anything else in it. Obviously, people use different hops and different malts or whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that, like Maya said, all the beers are gorgeous, gorgeously delicious. And also, I know they're not like industrial lagers, apart from Beck's, but please, can we just completely exclude that from this conversation? They're not industrial lagers, but they're also not microbrewery you know, they oh, no, they're, being they're knocking them out in big. Well, Huge you think of like exactly yeah, massive in Oktoberfest and stuff. They're knocking them out in by the you know ton. You know, you hectolitre. C- you compare. I compare this to, for example, Camden House. Oh, there's no. There's comparison. no comparison. Mm, no, and it's between cool. Stella and this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd say one thing that I have read up on that there is a bit of a fight back about it being a mark quality in that a lot of sort of the new movement of brewers have suggested it's stifling creativity 
And then I also believe there is some level of cultural difference and dare I say it resentment between other parts of Germany and Bavaria with regards to this because they feel like the Bavarians just came over and stomped all over their traditional little beer styles hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Yeah, well, but people people hold things. Should we have another beer? Yeah, we can can have. God, you're really making me knock these back. Chewing through them, how the tables what? have turned. <laughs> kind of enjoying them, sort of slowly going at it. I, I liked this one. I think I, I think of these two, I prefer the first one, but I like this one also. One of the reasons I think I like these beers as well, and by these beers, I kind of mean like Augustina, these kind of Hell's Pilsner's beers that we're drinking, because you don't get them very often. I do wonder if, yeah. if you know, if my local Weatherspoons had Augustina on draft, as much as the first time I went in there, I'd probably wet myself with excitement. Ten weeks later... Would I be turning my nose up at it? If it's all you're drinking, do you think you eventually go... You know, do we like these? Not for the novelty kind of undersells them because they're not... You know, there's nothing particularly novel about them. But the fact that we're not drinking these beers every day, I know they're just lagers in, in kind of inverted commas or hells and things like that. We don't drink them a lot in this country. Certainly not on draft. I don't think I've ever seen Augustine on draft in this country. Probably got a point there. And also, modern consumers, or consumers in general, I guess, a lot of them, or a large section of them, do love brands that have some sort of historical connotation. And also, I think the purity law in itself, because it just says, okay, you can only use water, hops, and malted barley, barley, then you know you're not getting some... Thing that some massive corporations just pumped a load of crap into for want of a better word and even though yes it's come all the way from germany it's probably kind of ticking those boxes and it's got a good heritage and people love that because they feel like they're kind of buying into the culture and then they also see that the purity law or whatever you want to call it means that they're kind of protected from the, the shit they see in other sort of lager beers yeah i mean for me it'd be a no-brainer if you said oh we want an evening in do you want to get a 12 pack of heineken or carlsberg or do you want to get the same in bottles of Flotzinger hell or equivalent? It would be a no-brainer, but it's just not really an option, is it? No, no, not here. We are now on Iyengar's Keller beer. So norm- all the other sort of stuff we've had on here has just been the normal lager or the hells or the Volbeer. Keller beer is basically an unpasteurized beer. Keller beer literally translates cellar beer. So they tend to be a bit thicker. They're unpasteurized, so there's still yeast live in the bottom. So they tend to be a bit more meat on the bones, a bit cloudier, a bit more full-flavored, I'd say. Maya doesn't seem overly keen. Sort of thing you'd like to sieve. Yeah, it's my least favorite so far. It actually gets better. And And when I say gets better i mean within each mouthful i don't mean it gets better the more you drink i mean like when you immediately drink it i don't like it and it gets better in that mouthful and that happens every time (laughs) so it's got quite a sour initial which i don't really like but but to be fair that goes quite quickly and you there's you're not left with sour on your palate so i've never had this one from them but their last time i went to munich i had a lot of their stuff normal the normal hells and it is delicious it's my favorite one actually so this one is a bit interesting this one was actually brewed in honor of the founder johann liebhard so Iyengar was founded in 1877 in Eying, which is about 25 kilometers away from munich sam smith actually had an arrangement where up until 2006 there sam smith created some stuff and brewed it under Iyengar, even though it wasn't Iyengar beer 
and sold it around the UK, but then that arrangement got trashed. Uh, but Iyengar have won lots and lots of medals. And in 2003, 2004, and 2005, they won first place in every category they entered wow. in the World Beer Awards. Which is pretty impressive. I don't know if it was for the Keller beer, but I know their their Vol beer is very nice. The um, Flotzinger won World Beer in 2012, I think, for the category it entered. Which is and a- where is Flot from? Flotzinger is ooh, hmm. Now you're testing me. At uh, Germania, it's a place called Germania. Germania, and from what year is that? No, ge- it genuinely says. Wait. Oh, fuck it does, doesn't it? Germania. Germania. Like it's literally all in German. It's like the old the label's quite um old fashioned. Oh, it's quite a nice label. Yeah. I'm gonna grab another one. So uh, yeah, we're drinking the Eyinger. It's it's not it's not my favorite. it's definitely my least favourite of the three. And it's purely because of the initial sourness of it. What are you drinking, Jimmy? I've picked up a and it's got that letter that's german that isn't in the english alphabet i don't think whatever it, is. it looks a bit like a b with the, the weird... double s yeah yeah that, that yeah. yeah it's a a a weibenoba is what i'm gonna call it and it's it a be vice when it if it's i don't know because it's, it's pronounced like double s and it's a clock Clostabrowry. yes that might be right it's got a, it's got a picture of like a big estate on the bottle yeah. Uh, oh no, that's not a cluster. I don't know what that says. Yeah. It's a Weefen beer. <laughs> <laughs> beer specialaten Liverpool us Bishmacken Mals. Mm. Hofton and Ugen Quills Quellwasser Quellwasser Tradition and Hand Clicks Conan. <laughs> Perfect <laughs> variant. Mm. So I think you all know what that is. Rem, <laughs> Rem tell me it. a bit about the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing on this one. I'm it's afraid. 5.1% and it's half a litre. There you go. Crack it, it open and, and tell it us says what it's it tastes like. Water, hops, and malted barley. And that was how <laughs> I knew it complied with the, with, the, with the beer law. I looked at the ingredients and it had three things, and I thought, yeah, that'll do. <laughs> uh... Maya's now opened something else as well because she doesn't like the Iyengar yeah so I'm drinking the Hofbrau original which does say Gebraucht nach dem Bayerischen Reinheitsgebot yeah oh this is even worse <laughs> what do you mean Hofbrau's perfectly palatable yeah but it's not a it's got a bit more flavour to it I mean look at the colour the colour's great I've got mine's very ambery and it's very malty. Been treated with the first two, mm. which was so <clears throat> serially and malty and Off-brow's sweet. not the best, I'll be honest. I don't think it's the best. Why have we finished on this one then? Well, I didn't know we were going to drink this many. Anyway, there's some <laughs> quite interesting things about Hofbrau that I'll quickly rattle through. It's actually owned by the Bavarian government. It was founded by Duke Wilhelm V in 1589 because his court really loved beer, but the beer they loved come from another part of Germany and it was too expensive for them to import anymore. So they were like, sod it, we'll have our own brewery. Then they realised there was demand for their stuff. So then they started flogging it to the peasants and making a load of wedge off it. And it's eventually uh, come into the Bavarian government's hand. And they've started, they have like a big thing in the middle of Munich called the Hofbrauhaus. 
which is all Hofbrau stuff. But they've started making little Hofbrau houses in the US and China as well. But it's not my... I don't think it's one of the, the best ones. Let's put that on. I think it's the worst one. So if I look at uh, that we've had today. So Remy and I have had four beers. We've had the Hackershaw. Hackershaw? Yeah, I don't really The... <clears throat> oh, God, I feel so bad. The Musalu Hells. Musa Liesel, I guess. Oh, yeah, Musa Liesel Hells, the Iinger Keller Beer, and the Hofbrau Original. I'd say for me, probably the Musa Liesel is the best that I've had today. Then the Hackerschvor, then the Iinger, and I'd actually say this one is the worst, this Hofbrau. Yeah, I'm not. Hofbrau's all right. So Ren, what about you? Of the of the four that we've drunk today, what's your ranking? I am enjoying the Keller beer, but I did really like the Munich Gold, which surprised me because I've had the normal Hells before from Hackershaw a few years ago in Munich, and I didn't really like it that much, but I quite enjoyed it. The big surprise for me has been the one that I've never had before, the Arkebrau Moose, the Moose's Liesel, mm. which I think is how I pronounce it, but I haven't got a clue. That's been really good. Um, so yeah, maybe that one, or I'm kind of torn in all fairness, joint three. But the the Hofbrows, yes, definitely. What about you, Jim? Of the ones you've had, how would you rank them? I haven't really got tucked into this last one yet. It's quite a lot darker. Klossbrow is like um, monks, basically. Mm. It says on that thing, it's a a Franconian beer from the oh, Benedictine Monastery. Yeah, it's. Um, I think for me, the Munich of Gold, I really enjoyed that. The Flotzinger's... Not quite as malty, maybe like you like a bit, like a bit crispier, a bit kind mm. of more refreshing. But I think if I was going to sit and drink a few of them, the Munich Gold, I'd probably go for. To be honest, but yeah, yeah. I, I just you know they're all pretty good. I haven't had one I haven't liked yet. I think they're all very yeah. tasty. You know, and again, there's a bit of variety. It's not like it's all the same beer, just in different bottles. No, definitely not. I mean, like so, this Moose's Liesel, that was the lightest. The Munich Gold was like super malty. And the I mean I know it's Keller beer as opposed to the Hells that the other two are, but the Iinger got more bit bit, bit more meat on the bones, a little bit more sour, and then the Hofbrau's just it's not great. It's a bit bitter at the back, really. Yeah, I don't like it. It's too bitter. But yeah, like even though ultimately you're working with the three ingredients, well technically four if you include the yeast, obviously, it's quite impressive that within the styles they can still branch out and do some quite interesting things. But then, you know, they bang on about how they've been doing it for so long. I guess you kind of expect that they have at least some sort of variety. Yeah, there's a lot you can do with it, isn't there? Okay, so that was kind of our roundup of the Reinheitsgebot. Bit of an interesting bit of history there relating to beer culture. Popular opinion is obviously it's a good thing. I can understand why it still has its sort of appeal today, but let's also not forget the protectionist element of it. And actually, maybe it's got a slightly more cynical and darker history than we initially thought. Hope you all enjoyed it. Go out and try some Reinheitsgebot beer and formulate your own opinion. Thanks for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to follow us over on Instagram. Our handle is at Podcast. We hope you can join us for another episode. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.